So does Brendan yes. sound like the Terminator in real life then, or is that just his voice is so deep because of this levelator thing? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> Excellent. Don't tell him I said that. It is, it is good. Oh, no, I, I mean, yeah. I won't if you don't watch it, but <laughs> you ship all the time. Yeah. Welcome to episode 30 of the Dawn of Rebellion podcast. This is a very special episode featuring the internet celebrity that is Mr. Jason Mullins. If you don't know who Jason is, what have you even been doing in the hobby world? He hosts the Overlords and Sons of Heresy podcast, both of which are highly recommended. He is genuinely a hobby podcasting legend and an all-round decent guy, um, and he didn't pay me to say that. His interview forms the bulk of this episode. Uh, We are going to do a very, very brief hobby on a shoestring featuring Sisters of Battle. But before that, I just want to take a minute to or to say that here at the Dawn of Rebellion podcast, we hope that everyone is staying safe during this global pandemic. It is an interesting time and is, is going to be one of those things that gets written about in history books. And so, yeah, let's make it through it together. I'm a key worker, so I, I'm allowed out of the house occasionally to go and do key worker stuff. But uh, mostly I'm being home with the dogs and the kids while my wife, who is a doctor, goes out and does amazing doctory things. If you've got NHS or healthcare workers in your life, you know, it's a very, very trying time for them and send them your support and your love. They're going to need it. This is going to get a little worse before it gets better. Um, so whoever's been making the benedictions to Nurgle needs to calm the fuck down. Praise corn. Notice work is almost complete. All I need is a bit more mm. Where's the gnome Confounded past Nidgetron, where is the known oil? You have one job. Ugh. Fine. To the alchemist's workshops. Do they have known oil? Yes, it is excellent. I might pick up some other things whilst I'm here. Ooh, this looks interesting. Latest releases at bargain prices. This place is great, boss. So remember, Pass Ninjatron. Whenever you need hobby supplies, visit thealchemistsworkshops.com. On this episode's Hobby on a Shoestring, we're going to talk about Sisters of Battle. Now, last episode, I said that it was one of those armies that I had originally had absolutely no interest in. 
even though I'd see the new kits and they were beautiful. But with the hashtag isolation armies that's been doing the rounds on Twitter and Instagram, I was kind of happy to buy into it. I thought, okay, yeah, if we're going to be stuck in here for a few weeks, then we might as well uh, do something new, get on with something. Despite the fact that I've got about a dozen armies in in various states of, of build, disrepair, primed, whatever. And I thought, no, sod it, let's get a new one. Um, I actually didn't in the end. Uh, it was a toss-up between Aussie Ark Bone Reapers, which I did in last episode's Hobby on a Shoestring, and Sisters of Battle, which we're going to do now. I ended up plumping for neither, and I got a load more Star Wars Legion stuff to round off my Rebels list, and I bought some Custodes. Boo, yes. Uh, I got a pack of the Wardens, which I will use as the Elite Warriors. I can't remember what they're called in 30k. Um, and I got some of the uh, Jet Bikes, which are a lot cooler than the Forge World ones, um, and a third of the price. So, yeah, those two packs, plus the Black Library Special Edition characters, got a set of those as well, will round off my Custodes Force quite nicely. So, for those of you who don't know, our Hobby on a Shoestring is a way of looking at getting into an army, getting into a force on a shoestring budget. Now, that's a very broad term, given the hobby. It's not a cheap hobby. And we chose £100 as our uh, kind of shoestring level, a little bit more for heresy because, you know, Forge World is expensive. But for £100, what can you get? Well, for Sisters of Battle, you can get the following. Uh, these are all from Alchemist Workshops, and you can get a Sisters of Battle squad, which is £26.95. You can't have a Sisters Army without a Sisters of Battle squad, so I'll get one of those. You really should get two. You're going to need at least two, but I think getting started um, will go for a variety. So rather than getting a second squad of those, I have gone for a, a Retributor squad, which is the Heavy Weapon squad. That's £25.03. Now, in order to keep it under budget, I've gone for Canon S Viridian, which is the kind of special limited run one they did. Um, Alchemist Workshops have still got some copies. It's her like standing boot up. It's a bit of a janky pose. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I'd rather get the new Canon S model, but it, it takes us a bit over budget. So she's £13.50. So uh, I'd pick her up and then um, I'd get an Immolator which is just a cool tank with massive flamers and this sort of stained glassy organ thing. Uh, it's £35.10. I did, again, I really wanted to get the Exorcist instead, but it's another three quid and that would tip us over the budget. So it actually comes on at £100.58, uh, which is pretty much bang on. So that's a Sisters of Battle squad, Canon S Viridian, Retribute squad and an Immolator for £100.58. Side note about the Exorcist. I didn't realise this until, and I'll be honest, I can't remember where I saw this. I think it was in a Warhammer TV design video a while back, not 100%. But on The Exorcist, there is uh, a sister playing uh, a pipe organ. It's She's kind of on the back at the top. Um, it's a little bit Mad Max. But I read or heard, whatever, that the position of her hands is such that she's actually playing Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield, which is the theme tune to The Exorcist. Um, if you don't know what it is, it's this one. Which is a stunning piece of design work. You just, that level of detail is just insane that they can actually model a model playing the theme tune from 38,000 years in the past of a movie that's named after the tank or the tank is named after the movie. Anyway, I don't know about the rules, so I don't know which one's better, but um, the other one put us over budget, so I went with the emulator. That's it for Hobby on a Shoestring. We said it was going to be a quick one, and we are now going to cut over to our interview with Mr. Jason Mullins, who is going to talk us through his explorations into the heresy and all about the Vilka Fenrika. 
And yeah, welcome to the show, Jason. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, so we've got Jason on to talk about Heresy Space Wolves because, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, my friend and I are doing this 12-month, £600 project. I love Space Wolves as an idea, but I really don't know where to start with them. And Jason talks about them a lot on his Sons of Heresy podcast, so I thought I'd ask the expert, and uh, he's kindly agreed to come on and share his insight with us. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Um, it's uh, it's good to have any time to talk about heresy. Yeah. So you and your friend Jason, right? A- another Jason, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember because I, I listened to your last episode and I was like, every time you'd say Jason, I'd be like, no, wait, I'm doing Space Wolves. It's not Thousand Suns. Yeah. Like, like, it was just, it was really funny. Yeah. Um, although I do actually have a Thousand Suns army. So I'll say if this goes well, we'll have to get you back on and, and do another Thousand Suns bit. I'm really excited to do like a Prospero thing. So if you guys actually do do some Prospero uh, events, let me know. I'm totally down to come and play on either side, actually. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, I started I started my uh, Heresy Army actually at the very beginning of when the Black Books came out because my friend Johnny was doing uh, – he's another podcast host – was doing a, um, oh my god, Death Guard. I couldn't remember the name of the Legion. He was doing a Death Guard 30K version of his 40K guys. So we were 40K players at the time. And I was like, oh man, that's really cool. Well, I'll do the Space Wolves. Because like, I had always been a huge Space Wolf fan. And I had a Space Wolf army back in the States at the time. Um, and it was kind of like my first army was Blood Angels, my second army was Space Wolves. Um, and I've always just kind of like been in love with it. I always thought Russ was super cool. So I kind of followed him into it. Um, and while I was getting my stuff ready, I actually got a chance to go up and play at Warhammer World with the guys who wrote the book. So I got to play with Paul Rudge and Alan and oh, wow. uh, John French and uh ed and we uh, it was i think it was the first time i actually met alan um and he was playing his alpha legion ed was playing his iron warriors which were the iron warriors that were in the book yeah um and and uh paul paul's it was paul's uh, death guard with the death guard in the book paul's the guy who designs the books um and it was super fun. Like they were all super cool guys. Um, but, but the funniest part that happened in that story was I was, I need to run to catch an objective and everybody at the table was like, you can't run your death guard. And I'm all, and Paul's all, he's not running the reaping. And everyone's all, Oh, so, uh, <laughs> they, they underestimated you there. first times I'd actually played pure heresy but that experience was great and uh, really inspired me to kind of get my army together um, I was playing basically Johnny's 40k army which was 30k theme so it had a very a couple of interesting units like there was a death guard assault squad and everyone all of them were like a death guard assault squad because um, it was basically a 40k army yeah. so yeah from there I decided to make my space wolves and my 
Space Wolves were primarily a Crusade Army list. I don't know if you... When did you... When have you started, or when did you start playing Heresy? Did you... Did so you I, was a, I was at Games Day 2012 when the Black Book was launched to very little fanfare. I wasn't going to pick up a copy, and then I decided I was last minute, and by the time I got there, they'd sold out. Uh, but I got one on the next print run. So I've been here from the beginning... I remember okay. buying, I bought No No Fear and got Dan Abnett to sign it and then immediately went and bought a Predator Infernus and some Cataphracty Terminators. And I was like, right, here we nice. go. And then, yeah, it's just been kind of rumbling along in the background and I've, I've flitted through various armies, but um, I have a big Ultramarines project that's just been brewing since day one and I've just need to knuckle down and get on with 30K it. 30k Yeah, yeah, all, all, all 30k stuff. I've I've got better at not keeping hold of them if I don't use them. So I had a, a, a three thousand point Raven Guard army that was all fully painted, and I'd never used it, and I had no intention of using it. I was like, this is ridiculous. So I sold it, and then used the money to buy probably another Heresy army, and then ended up selling that. So I've I've rattled through the legions, mostly loyalists, but Thousand Sons is very tempting. My my philosophy. Okay, so overall, I guess we'll get back to the Space Wolves in a minute, but overall, I have a small Blood Angels force, I have a small Alpha Legion force, I have some Custodes, I have, uh, I'm working on White Scars now, I have a giant Space Wolf force. Um, so my philosophy is that if the lists are very different, so if I'm not copying what I already have like so yeah my spaces are all tanks because it was a crusade army list so i'll work back to that but like you know all my my um, blood angels are all jump packers and it's just a day of revelations list the alpha legion are all infantry for infiltrating and centurion games um oh sorry and the thousand suns too which is another centurion force um but they kind of came about before before i put this rule in place so um it's just kind of like, if it's different, I'll do it. Like, so for White Scars, I'm going to do just a jet bike army. Yeah. Um, so what this kind of led to, and again, like coming back around to it, is my Space Wolves were designed to be a Crusade army list. Um, and it was kind of a specific way of playing. It was a lot of, you know, dudes in boxes rolling up the table and pouring out. And Space Wolves, as you know, are one of the later legions that was released. So when my when the Codex actually came out, my army was completely not designed for the total different way that Space Wolves work. Yeah, um, you know, it was all ten man squads with bolters. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't friendly to Grey Slayers. So I actually ended up putting it down. It being my favorite army, just theme-wise, I had Russ. Um, I ran Russ before when he had just ghetto rules before the thing came out, and I would call him Russell. I remember that. What terrible! I never actually figured out what model you used <laughs> to represent Russ or Russell in that in that instance. Uh, it, was, it, it was Russ. His his model came out beforehand. I forget if I picked him up at one of the events. His model was out like a couple of weeks before. Oh right. His, okay. before was. So in my, in my head, Russ. you'd like kit bashed something. I don't know why I thought that you hadn't used the actual model. No, it was actually Russ. And um, yeah, it was the worst rules ever. And um, when he came out with his rules, I was just like, oh my God, he is a beast. 
Mm. And um, he's still a beast. So uh, getting back to that, my army was a crusade army list. And so when the codex dropped, it was very different. Um, the way that this is, I mean, I guess we're kind of covering some of the topics that we had, you kind of sent me some notes for yeah, yeah, yeah. organically. Um, but the way that the list works is it it revolves around Grey Slayers. I'm kind of explaining this a little bit for anybody who doesn't play Space Wolves or is not super familiar with Heresy. Um, and Grey Slayers are a different troop type um, than the normal tactical squads. Uh, their big benefit is they can take really cheap power weapons, which is amazing. Um, and all of my army was kind of geared for like bolter guys um, and tanks. So I think I would have probably set my army up different if I had come to it now. Um, I think I definitely would have either gone for more of a drop pod or an infantry horde kind of list. But I have a lot of like land raiders and Spartans and thing and, and rhinos and things to put guys in. But I, like I was saying, I ended up putting the army down because I didn't want to play it that much because it was not very conducive to the way the list worked. So it was last year sometime, I forget for which event, I finally said, okay, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to rip arms off dudes. And I made 20 Grace layers and ripped arms off a bunch of my guys, um, left 10 guys with bolters for vets, or maybe 20, I forget. And uh, now I have like 40, 50-ish Grace Layers. So with, and half of them have power weapons. I have two Spartans now. My two co-hosts have been... I came up with this concept called the Longboats List. Yes, I've, I've, I've been listening. It's, uh, it sounds great. If, if, <laughs> if totally unfriend-making. maker when it comes to lists so um johnny actually <laughs> johnny actually enabled i was like i'm not gonna do it and johnny's like i'm giving you this extra spartan that i have to do the list so i'm like all right fine gonna do the list yeah, if you insist so yeah. I, I twist my arm i like i like the I like the theory of it, the three longboats coming, filled with Vikings as they spill onto your shores. Like, I know it's not the friendliest of lists, however, I don't know. They're not the friendliest of legions, so, yeah. No, they're not the friendliest of legions. Nobody likes us and we don't care. (laughs) The problem I have with it, and Brendan keeps trying to get me to do this, he's like, bring the glaive, and I'm like... Oh God, is that a little too harsh? I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? It depends what event I'm going to. If I was, if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to something where I know that people are going to just be like taking their knives out, then sure, I'll bring that. But like, <laughs> like for a friendly narrative event, no, nah, I don't want to bring that. Maybe I'll bring the three Spartans, but not with the super heavy backing them up. That's just too insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I've ripped the arms off. I've reworked it. Um, I'm starting to play it again. I'm very happy about it. I have three major transports now. Two of them are done. I also have a Land Raider. Um, I have a ton of Terminators and just a ton of Foot Sluggers. Um, it is, I have actually moved some 
some things out of that list because I just never used them. Um, like a lightning, I just pulled out and repainted um, for a different Legion because I never used it. I have a Fire Raptor I really like that I use with them. But pretty much anything that's big and heavy and sort of kind of like loud and brash is what I tend to like to use for my Space Wolves. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely have fun. They are the Legion that anytime someone says, Challenge! I'm like, Accepted! <laughs> Which is really fun. Because with my Alpha Legion now, I feel completely good going, they're challenge. I'm like, declined. Yeah, no, <laughs> I've done yeah, it not, so not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I have never done it before. And it's, it's like, I did it the other day in an event, or not an event, uh, a game with Brendan, Johnny, and our friend Ruthers. And I was just like, declined. <laughs> like, it was amazing. Fun to kind of like put a little, for me, to put a little role playing in. Yeah, a little bit of flavor. To my legions yeah um so i mean that's just kind of a little synopsis on my space wolves um if you want to get into like more of the nitty-gritty about how i play them and like what how i kind of like to set them up we can kind of get a little more granular on it um what do you have and what are you thinking about kind of running right now so the how the, how the project's going to work is we've got this kind of £50 budget a month. So in my head, I know exactly what I want. I want a Mastodon, I want loads of Land Raiders, and I want it to just be insane. But I can't do that for £600. So I'm trying to regulate that, myself a little bit. First, is that the first £50? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I to start with, I bought two packs of uh, Mark Threes, And I'd already got some of the Forge World upgrade kits. I got one of each from my wife for Christmas. So we'd already put into the rules that like cosmetic upgrades don't kind of matter um, as as far as the budget goes. Because, you know, shoulder pads are expensive and you just end up with 30 guys with nice shoulder pads for 600 quid. So I built, uh, I scattered the bits around a bit. So I've got 20 Grey Slayers now. Um, and I bought a, I bought the Ulrich the Slayer, the 40k model, because he's basically in heresy armor and he's a rune priest. So I've, I've done him as he will be one of those kind of thousand point uh, hero characters you need. Uh, and then I found a Gregor Felhan, uh, who I'll probably oh, so use. I was going to say, I, I have the same Ulrich the Slayer model and I actually cut his hand, his helmet out of his hand and put it on his head. I'm I'm and, thinking uh, of doing something along those lines. Yeah, and then I gave him a power fist, and it works fine. He, ah, um, that's a good idea. He works. He works really good. And then I made his um, a sword would be more gamey, but it's really easy to make his crozius into a frost axe because he can actually exchange his crozius for a frost axe. Yeah, um, it looks really cool. Um, but yeah, um, it's really it's a really good model. Yeah. Easy convert, an easy conversion too. I ha- he's in the blister at the moment. I haven't actually opened him, but I got one of the 40k upgrade packs that has like a frost axe and a frost blade and various other, like a, a wolf helmet and stuff. So I might have a rummage through that and see what I can kit him out with. I don't know if you have it, but the wolven kit also has a lot of good weapons in it as well. Like really cool thunder hammers, axes. Yeah. Um, Basically, that's my go-to right now for all of that stuff. Yeah, I didn't thought of that. Any frost weapon, basically. Okay. Oh, and I've got a uh, Sakaran as well, um, which was repurposed from uh, about... It's it's been through about four legions uh, at the moment. It's been... (laughs) It started off as... It's been in each one of your projects. 
projects. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I think the only one it hasn't been of mine was Ra- was the Raven Guard list, but it's been. So what did it start off with? It started off as an Ultramarines Sakara, and then it went to it was going to be World Eaters briefly, and then that didn't work. Uh, and then it went to it was brief. No, it was briefly Raven Guard. Then it was Ultramarines again. So it's got like five coats on it. Um, but I use an airbrush, so it, you, it's fine. Are you spraying it, or is it like is it starting to get a little chunky now? Is, is <laughs> no, no, it's 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 only had like one coat of primer on it, and then it's just had about five different um, airbrush colors on it. But it's now Space Wolf Gray, um, and it, that's where it's staying. So so yeah, I've got twenty guys. Is it a, it's uh, a battle tank? Yeah, yeah, uh, just the regular one. Okay. I was I really want the Arcus, the um, like the uh, the rocket launcher one. But it's just yeah, not it's it's just not space wolves. They don't. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's just that that's one of those ones that you park at the back and bomb stuff, and that's not what space wolves do. Um, in my head, anyway. Uh, certainly from like the Prospero side of things, it's just like you said earlier. It's just you know, bum rush the whole front line, carve it through, and and get to Magnus. Have you read the Russ Primark book? No, I've got it. I got it on a humble bundle they did a while back, and I'm pretty sure it was in it. So it's, I've got it on the list. No, no spoilers, but I'll just say there's a moment in there with a certain kind of tank where I was like, "Oh God, I want that." Yeah. So I will. I will um, have to have a read then. It's 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 good. It's definitely it's the it's him and and the lion. It's a it's definitely a good read. It's one of my favorite ones. Uh, definitely worth it. I think. Is that, is that I, the, I just, oh, that's the one where they have the punch up, isn't it? And it goes on for like four chapters. Yeah. No, I have, I have, I got it on an audiobook. I have listened to that one. What tank are you talking about? Oh, okay. So when Russ is like, okay, so there's a part where they need to get into the fortress. Slight spoilers for anybody. So skip forward thirty seconds. Is, is this where they start like um, melting stuff? The stone starts melting with the, the oh, bollocks. What was it? Well, Russ like, Russ is like. And then it said, I think he said 10 Shadow Swords and 20 Typhons. That was like, it, yeah. Rolling over the and blast the gate open. And I was like, yes! And, then, and from there, I was like, oh my god, I want a Shadow Sword and a Typhon. Yeah. Like, I don't have one. I have a Glaive, so I was like, good enough. Yeah, I'm definitely going for the Mastodon as my Super Heavy. I think for, for what I what I want, like, your Longboat list is very kind of my driving factor on that um but i think if, if you're going to do transports bundling stuff forward then a mastodon is, or mastodon sorry is an obligatory super heavy choice in, in my mind anyway don't, don't let brennan hear this because then he's gonna want me to do a mastodon and three spartans filled with great slayers with power weapons yeah or you can just fill it with contemptors it's fine oh can it take contemptors i'm pretty sure it can yeah i think you can carry it's 10 dudes plus or or a dreadnought it is, yeah. I don't but, know how effective it would be. That's really cool. It seems like a bit of a waste. Um, I think a dreadnought drop pod would probably be a, a, a better way of deploying dreadnoughts. But I, I have to have kind of symmetry in my head when I'm when I'm lining up a list on the table. I would like draw out, like here's a big box for the land raider and here's a little box for the rhino. And it has to kind of have parity left to right. So I would have to have the mastodon in the middle and then two spartans next to it and then two land raiders and then two rhinos. Um, and then I just have Johnny to... Johnny definitely have this this symmetry thing as well. Johnny definitely likes... Actually, he just likes to, everything to be doubled, though. But if I can't I'm afford like, a Mastodon... Ah, if it fits, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, if it's not a Mastodon, it'll be a Fellblade. The cool thing about the Mastodon, I think, is it reminds me of like an old school battering ram, like for Castle Siege. Where yeah. They put like the little hut over it to perfect it from arrows. It's like basically just drives up to the fort gate, blasts it open with the Melta, the back door's open, the front door's open, and then it just funnels troops into the fort. Yeah. So yeah, but they're like 350 quid or something like that. So I'd have that and then the guys I have and that would be it. Um, so Jason and I have got this uh, veto on super heavies for the, the first kind of wave of the event. Because we'll have our, he's got Magnus, I've got Russ. Yep. And so that'll be our Lords of War. And then we'll kind of tone it down from there. Magnus and Russ are good. I like the changes that have been made to tone them down a little bit. Russ, I don't think was ever that bad people will hiss and boo at me but the thing that was frustrating was because it went to minus two um on his to hit him what would happen is people who were weapon skill four were were they hitting him on a six no matter what were they hitting him on a seven it just broke the rules there was no rules for it yeah so the fact that they changed it to minus one to hit always hits on a six much less frustrating and he's still an absolute badass right yeah. like you know weapon skill nine nothing to joke at the axe of eligar and the sword of Hellwinter are both like really really cool weapons too um he is really badass like primo and i think magnus now i haven't played him since they've changed him around a bit did they take his d pizza template thing away from him was that, or they toned it down, so, didn't they? Yes and no. Um, I don't know the specifics of it, but basically he can't boost to D anymore unless he pays points. Like, so he, it's an actual add-on for him. It's like Magnus Empowered or something. Oh, right. Um, so the basic version of him doesn't come with that. Um, and they also took away the minus one to hit him and his squad, which... Why he had that in the first place, who the hell knows? Um, that's really good, because that was ridiculous. Um, you know, he could take Biomancy already and just be an absolute beast. So, the, th- the thing is, is like, he doesn't need any of that shit. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, he doesn't need any of that stuff. He is, you know, an absolute beast if the, if the Thousand Sun player wants him to be a puncher like you know you give him biomancy and then he'll go toe-to-toe with any primarch um russ just has that minus one to hit which is really good more weapon skill so basically anybody's hitting him on fives which is will slow down magnus and the sword of hellwinter has that extra wound that it kicks that's really a really big deal and the axe of eligar is since it's like strength eight it you know it always does wounds yeah. so yeah it's 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 an interesting fight if magnus goes full biomancy but it's not as bad anymore um so you have like super, super saiyan magnus is a bit harder to deal with yeah 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 it's totally super saiyan magnus um yeah i think that was the frustrating part was that people were frustrated with him when he um would like come down and then power up and do D damage and just kill everybody's vehicles. It was super frustrating, especially when like a lot of 30 K revolves around vehicles 
and I could see why people were frustrated. So like these steps, I mean, you could call them nerfs, but what I think they've done rules wise is they've taken a lot of the frustration that people had away from these models. Same thing with the customs changes. I think they've taken a lot of the frustration out. Um, there might be still some residual lingering, like, upset in the community but like now there are no what is it three plus plus rerollable save you know yeah. shield captains that are minus one to hit anymore that's just not a thing so it's good that forge world has been recognizing this and taking out the frustrating things and i think russ and magnus are good examples of people who've been toned down a bit who just like the frustrating bits have been taken out but they're still massively powerful yeah so if you if you had to put your mortgage on one of them winning the fight are we are we seeing history repeating itself or, or do you think magnus would would triumph in in uh, in the rules well you know as somebody who actually owns both russ and magnus i have to say russ would beat him every time no he won't beat him every time but but I, my money's on Russ. <laughs> Every time, Russ is my boy. Uh, Russ is. I, I am a total Russ fan. He's one of my favorite Primarchs. Yeah, I'm listening to the um, Wolf Spain, uh, the Guy Haley oh, so book. Good. Moment, yeah. About halfway through it, and I'm just like, not only is oh, I've got, I can't remember the narrator's name, John, something. Anyway, his his Russ voice is perfect. Um, which I think helps make that that book, but it is yeah. You just he's such a good character. Um, I always I didn't really get into Russ as a character until the Heresy. I always kind of thought of him. I always thought of most of the Primarchs as being kind of one dimensional in terms of you know Gillum and Stoic and the Lion is secretive and Sanguinius is an angel and that was kind of it. But you, I, I love kind of exploring these characters. It's it's a really good journey. But like Angron is probably the one I've enjoyed learning about the most because I feel really sorry for the guy because he's not supposed to be that oh, yeah, way. Totally. And I'm just like, Completely he just got, tragic. if he landed on any other planet, he would have been fine. But no, the, the, the lunatics with the head machine things. Um, and yeah, I just feel really bad for him. Like Fulgrim's a dick. I have no interest. He's just, yeah. Um, <laughs> I completely agree with you. Yeah. He has no redeeming qualities. He's just a dick. Um, like you don't know anything about Alpharius just because of the nature of his character. Um, I think um, I quite like Perturabo. Iron Warriors are my big army at the moment. This well, is my, my thought about Perturabo. Every time he comes up, you're like, why are you a traitor, dude? Yeah. Like, just because you don't like Dorn? Like, really? Like, I know, he's a dick, but like, why are you a traitor? Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, he, he just seems like, he. Perturabo seems like somebody who's like, I, I really like him, and if he got over being emo, I think he would have been awesome. Yeah. But he, he, he was, for some reason, he felt very aggrieved, and yeah. he went with Horus. I, I kind of feel was, he's like, you know, when, when the business closes down, and there's always that guy that goes in and steals the printer? <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel that's that's Perturabo. He's like, well, fine, well, I'm taking this. Um, <laughs> well, I was owed. <laughs> yeah. I kind of get the sense, though, that, like, he was once... Horus had done his thing. He was just like, "I'm off. Yeah, good luck. I'm I'm doing my. I'm gonna go over here and just fuck off and leave me alone." <laughs> this, this is, have you read any of the new the new 
No, I'm I um I, I started reading the heresy in a bit of a mishmash and I kind of was losing thread of what was going on, so I started from scratch uh a couple of years ago and I'm up cool. I'm up to Wolfsbane now, um and I've got the next few up to the Siege of Terror. Um I'm just like frantically I was desperate to get to this one. Um I was desperate to get yeah. to Crimson King and uh I'm hopefully interviewing Graham McNeil about it in, in a couple of weeks, which would be great. Um, oh cool he's really nice yeah and then and then yeah Wolfsbane and now I really want to know about is it the the last one the Buried Dagger and then I'm straight into yeah. I reckon I'll probably get to it just in time for whatever like the vengeful spirit bit of the books are um, so I think I, I might kind of reach the end as the end is arriving which would be quite good that's perfect yeah there's some just some funny moments with Perturabo and him being frustrated yeah. is all, <laughs> all I will say yeah. but like yeah yeah, it is. It's good. Uh, those books so far are excellent. I've really enjoyed them. And, you know, that's the, the sad part for me is that the Space Wolves are not in the Siege of Terra or, you know, they're, they're not classically known to be the Siege of Terra. Yeah. But that is, you know, and they're, like, they're one of my favorites. But I can't I really I really want to see what happens. I'm waiting for a couple of surprises that we aren't expecting to kind of jump in there uh, i'm kind of hoping for it i'm, I'm curious is what they're gonna do yeah it's... i mean so far it's been it's been good though like definitely they have the you know everybody who's a quality writer doing a book and they're coming out fast and furious so yeah i i just i'm gonna start on the first wall after i finish my current book um which has nothing to do with warhammer I, I have to take breaks. I like will read horror books or other fantasy or sci-fi books, and then I jump back into Warhammer. And I found that it actually it brings my enjoyment of Warhammer up. If I have a steady diet of Warhammer, then like you know everything tastes like grimdark. Yeah, I so, I, I get what you mean. You, you you can get a bit saturated with it, and you're just like, okay, well, there's only so many times I can hear about how loud bolters are. Yeah. I think that the uh, Mastodon sounds really cool as a main focus for everything. Um, it sounds good. You're going to do a couple of units of Grey Slayers then? Two units of 20? Or are you doing multiple units of 10? It, it depends what I'm going to stick them in. As In my head, I want to do Armoured Breakthrough because that's kind of how I see Prospero panning out is just everyone like piling in uh, in the vehicles to get there safely and then just pillaging through the streets. So I was thinking um, I'd get myself a Spartan to put Russ and probably a big blob of Grey Slayers with, a, with the Rune Priest in it. And then either Land Raiders or Rhinos, depending on kind of how, kind of how Jason's list is shaping up, really. Um, you know, if he's, got, if he's got loads of anti-tank stuff, then I might just go a bit more infantry. So if you have Russ, you can actually take um, veterans as troops, which means you can have people in rhinos get out with bolters and stuff. Um, I mean, you can have Grey Slayers get out in rhinos too with bolters. I'm just thinking about it. Or you can have vets in rhinos out flanking, which is really good. Um, that's kind of something I recommend. The thing is, is that when you get vets out flanking with space wolves, because of their acute senses, they get to re-roll what side they come on, which is awesome. That's really and helpful. So, yeah, that is really, really good. So, some surprise vets would be good. 
I've found like the infantry horde works very well for them. Um, but that's like a commitment. So like I either like to go all horde or put all my guys in boxes. I'm not the biggest fan of rhinos for them though, just because of the, you can't charge uh, charge. Exactly. For gray slayers, um, for vets with some meltagons or doing like an outflank thing to go grab the sides, I think it's really, really good. And then you give them scout or I forget what the one is called, but that basically gives them outflank. Yeah. Um, I'm, that's what I'll usually do for my rhinos now, is they just become my kind of outflanking boxes, basically. Um, or if I can't afford them, but I mean, usually I can always afford 35 points. Um, I will, uh, I'll just put them on foot. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like you have a solid core. Um, that sounds perfect. I'm curious as to what Jason's going to take for take for his thousand sons. Um, you from watch out for the um, the the Kentai Blade Occult. Oh, he's like, got he's got some of them. Are, so they are deceptively powerful. Like I didn't realize when I played them how brutal they were. Yeah. And when I played them in an event, they just diced everything. They are really really. And I was I I thought they were gonna die. They were they're really good. They're really good. The segment of course are really good. Um, but yeah, I think you have the tools to deal with it, right? Basically, the Space Wolves do. Yeah. Getting into close combat is going to be their bane, basically. Yeah, the, the, his um, Kenatai Blade unit is the one unit I'm like, everything else I want to run at as fast as possible, except them. They are getting shot at. So sort of prodi- <laughs> prodigious use of last cannons and auto cannons for a turn should render them fairly neutralized. The thing is, though, even a, a squad of Grey Slayers, if they don't have warp speed on them, this is the problem. If they have warp speed, run away. If they, if they um, don't have warp speed on them, a squad of Grey Slayers will maul them if you have power weapon. The, the one thing I noticed a lot about Grey Slayers is that when I threw them against almost anything, because a lot of my guys have power axes, like I have a smattering of swords and axes in each, in each squad, um, when those axes go off at the end, they just maul whatever yeah. it is fighting. Um, they're a really brutal unit. Like I was super scared of the world eaters when I played them in this last event I went to, and I trounced the world eaters player. I just backed up and shot him as he came near me, and then when he got he got close, close pushed him, which robs you know, the world eaters of most of their power, and just completely devastated him with all the power weapons it was it was kind of a it was it was very space wolfy versus world eaters because he just ran forward and i got cagey and then got to the point where i'm like all right right, now i gotta get stuck in and um from there it was just it it was a really really fun game though you're sort of channeling Um, your inner towel yes the irony of that game was when there were secret objectives and without knowing it I cut him off from his objective, and he cut me off from my objective. So neither of us won. Um, it was super funny, but yeah. like sport one, it was really fun. <laughs> so boxes uh, seems to be the the trick. What about like the kind of the sort of more esoteric units that the Space Wolves had? Like I really like the idea of the Death Sworn 
but I don't know how effective they are in a small unit because I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have enough to get the ten that I think you probably need. Um, do you do you have those guys? Do you? Uh, so the Varangar, the Vrangi, Varangar, whatever um, Terminators are, unfortunately, I think a little overcosted. The Death Sworn seem like they'd be good. I have not played with them yet. Um, like I said, I just kind of started, I keep calling it modernizing my Space Wolf Army, yeah. but more sort of like moving into the Codex units. Um, I rate them a lot more. I think they're really cool and very flavorful. Mm. Um, and definitely, it's really cool that you can run them as a squad for the Priest. So I think that is kind of the way to do it. I mean, you give them a land raider. And I think that there are so many points, though, that, that they're going to become your centerpiece piece unit. Yeah. Um, unless you're playing a ridiculously large game, you know, you're talking five, 600 points, right? So at that point, they're kind of Terminator prices for no invulnerable save, but they're going to have feel no pain. You know, they're, they're really cool. Oh, they have the stasis bombs, yeah. um, magic grenades. <laughs> I think, I think yeah, I think they're fearless too, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. definitely stubborn. I think they're, they're, or I think they're fearless, but they're definitely stubborn if they're not. But they're, um, I think I rate them. The Varengar Terminators, though, they're just too many points. Like, it's really kind of upsetting. Like, if they had two wounds, I think that they'd be worth it. They either need an extra wound or a slight points drop, yeah. I feel. Because um, they're in cataphracty, so they can't run either, which seems a bit like right. you can't... Yeah, how are you supposed to keep up with Russ? That's your job. Um, and you're just well, plodding about. Have, what I've found consistently with Forge World is they have the, have the most... like. The, the most prized skill by Forge World, which is not rated by anyone else, is Hammer of Wrath. And because they have Hammer of Wrath, they're a million points. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know why Forge World thinks Hammer of Wrath is so good. It's okay. Like, I'll, like, I'll take it. It's it's decent. But, like, yeah. It's not, it's not that great. It's, not, it's uh, not a substitute for a second wound. Yes. I, you know, and I think the thing is, is that I think the way to run them is with like a a power a, a wolf claw and a power fist, or like a frost axe and a power sword or a frost sword. Um, with those two weapons, getting a bonus attack. The thing is, is when you stat them out like that, they just they're already forty. 46? Three points, I think. Yeah, Something and like then they, they basically come to, and this is just roughly in my head, because I think it's an extra five points, they come to like 48-ish points each. And you, for a one-wound Terminator, you're like, so how much better is that with just a standard Legion Terminator with a Power Fist? Yeah. I mean, they're going to be better against some things, but a lot of times you're going to save yourself a couple hundred points and take standard Legion Terminators with Power Fist that are going to do just as good when they come out of a box. Yeah. So, it, that's... The, I find the Varengar lackluster, which is sad because I think that they are... could be a very, very, very good unit with just a few minor tweaks. Um, like I said, drop 
a slight drop in points or to make them more competitive with Legion Terminators or giving them all another wound, which would make them totally worth taking and leaving them at that point's cost. Um, and I think that, that the Deaths Worn are worth it. Um, but again, like I think you're going to have to, because there's so many points, you're going to have to theme your army around it. They're kind of like a, uh, like a suzerain or something like that mm. kind of squad. Um, you know, and they have that neat, like they get to strike even if they die rule, which is cool. Um, then they have artificer armor, you know, um, at least a five weapon skill, I think, which becomes a six on the charge, which is really good. Um, I think it's very underrated how good the space wolf special skills are there, but counter charge and then plus one, weapon skill when you charge is just amazing like they're both so good so yeah um that's kind of my rating for them like i i don't burn for either of them i really want the varengar terminators to be a little bit better but um the death sworn i think are very cool and but like if i got around to it like i just have so many other things to do yeah Um, i have some third-party bits before they made the miniatures i have these skull wolf heads that i was gonna make some but um right now i'm i'm just kind of like still focusing on getting this longboats list together so i'm just haven't even bothered um but yeah i i rate them the vanguard teammate i don't rate even though i've used them and i have some um models that I kitbashed myself yeah. um, and I use them occasionally because they're super fun especially when I want to just have a laugh and do like a squad I have five guys with auto cannons because I had um, all those extra auto cannons lying around from my Tartarus armor yeah. so I kitbashed them into five guys with auto cannons so I have an auto cannon Varengar squad is that legal can five. you do that or is that just yep yeah, it can they can all have Reaper Auto Cannons. That's crazy. It's it's a ridiculous amount of points. I've totally I missed that. I will, I will have to reevaluate then. I think that might be quite cool. It's really fun. Uh, I, won't, I don't know how effective it is, but like, it's really fun when you're like, oh, you have a squad of five Terminators sitting over there with all with Auto Cannons? And I'm like, yeah. Why don't you come over and have a, pun- a yeah. punch-up with them? I think them? If, you, if you teleport them onto an objective and just be like, Come turf me off if you can. <laughs> that's kind of like it's yes, they are kind of fun to use, um, and that's mainly what I use them with. Um, I have, I have those five guys, and then I have a, a guy with a wolf claw and a power axe that I'll use as like a sergeant for them sometimes. And oh, cool. I'll use them on and off, and I've used them, and I like them, but like again, like I just find them. <laughs> When I look at the same amount of points, when I'm when I'm like thinking of more of a balance of a list, I feel like I get almost or more mileage out of um, Legion Terminators for the same points. Yeah. So that's the problem I have. And the thing that I've noticed with the Space Wolf list is you get a lot of mileage out of the Gray Slayers now. Yeah. If you kit them out with power weapons um, and you know get that charge man and like you're doing work 
Yeah, you're, you doing, don't, you're doing all father's work. Yeah, you don't necessarily need that kind of extra survivability if the enemy's all dead after the first turn. Right, or mauled. Like, see, this is what I've also noticed is what happens when these Grey Slayer squads run in. Even if they get mauled, they'll maul the enemy. Yeah. And at that point, like, they become a lot easier for, like, your second wave of dudes. Um, you know, like, an all Grey Slayer list is very viable. They're really, really fun um, to play, too. So, you know, I, I definitely think that, like, what I want to do actually is had my idea, um, like, again, I haven't got to it because, again, I have to pull off arms or make new dudes, is I wanted to do half guys with combat shields and half guys with power weapons. Yeah. I thought that would be super fun and it would look really good. I really wanted to do guys with combi- or, uh, power weapons and shields, but you can't do that. You can either do either or. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, that's what I'm working towards doing is having like half my grace layers have shields and half of them have uh, power weapons. And I think it'll look awesome when it's finally done. It will. But, yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying playing the Space Wolves. Um, I've really enjoyed kind of like modernizing them out of the Crusade Army list and playing them as the the Space Wolves um, uh, were intended by Alan to play. And they are, um, they're a really fun, good legion um, that has unfortunately made me like not play my Blood Angels anymore. (laughs) So, (laughs) because I just want to play the Space Wolves every time I play a close combat army. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of my report on Space Wolves. episodes ago i mentioned that i would be going to uk ge which has now been postponed until mm, tail end of august i think it's the 23rd something like that because of the the covid19 outbreak uh, and the reason i was going was because i would be unveiling a game that my company has developed and we've had the trademarks come through and all the various bits and pieces and i can now tell you a bit about it the game is called dead flight ghosts in the void and it's a strategic space combat game it's set 2000 years in the future in the year 3927 Humanity has colonised the solar system, developing staggering technologies, but has yet to rid itself of its violent and tribal predilections. The threat of war is never far away, and each faction in the system quietly seeks to ready itself for the inevitable storm. The game quite literally puts you in the captain's chair. 
you are given a mission by your commanding faction and then you have to build your spaceship out of a deck of 22 module cards which include things like range batteries primary hangar bays medical bays scanners advanced thrusters armor plating all that kind of stuff you can choose eight of those you then have over 100 upgrades that you can pick from ace pilots to advanced sensors different range battery weapons different torpedoes all that kind of stuff you can then load up your hangar bay with up to 10 spacecraft which at the moment are divided into five categories you've got fighters interceptors bombers troop transports and then industrial mining stuff it's turn-based each turn takes place in three battle spheres you have what's called the broad space which is your fleet carrier engagement so you and your enemy players fleet carriers duke it out um, this is where you issue orders and activate ship systems but you can only issue a few orders so there's an element of resource management and, and proper critical thinking to make sure you activate the right systems at the right time the middle part of a turn is called the Near Space Battlesphere, and it's an intense hex-based spacecraft combat arena. It's a bit like Aeronautica Imperialis or X-Wing, but light. Uh, it's designed to be fast and pacey and punchy, and it is. It's great fun, very tense. And then the last phase is called the Face-to-Face -face Combat, and it's an abstracted infantry combat mechanic, which represents things like search actions, boarding actions, that kind of thing. And there are multiple ways to win. So if plan A fails, you know, there should always be a plan B and a plan C to help you complete your objective. There are nearly limitless amounts of combinations for your ship, so you never need to run the same ship twice. And it creates a very tense, engaging and rewarding experience. Most of the games we've tested literally come down to the last roll of the dice as to determine who wins and who doesn't. And there's lots of head banging and, and punching of the air when uh, that, that dice goes your way or doesn't. Um, it's readily accessible to new players, we built it that way, but it does have plenty of tactical depth for veteran gamers. We now have our Kickstarter preview page up. If you go onto Kickstarter and search for uh, Dead Flight Ghosts in the Void, or if you check the link out in the show notes, it will take you straight to it. We are looking at getting a, a gameplay video put up on YouTube soon. Uh, that's still in the works at the moment. And we will be launching the Kickstarter probably the tail end of August, early September. So yeah, I'm super proud of it. It's been a bit of a labour of love and it's taken us a, over a year to get to this point. But yeah, we'd really appreciate it if you could check it out. If you want to find out more about the game, visit www.deadflight.com. Okay, so we have this general question segment, um, which is these sort of five questions that we, we ask people that come on. Um, so we, I think we did this with Gav, Gav Thorpe when he was on. So yeah, first of all, what was your first kind of gaming experience when you sort of cast your mind back to childhood? What was the first game that you played? My first gaming experience. So um, are you talking about like any type of gaming or are we talking about like role, role playing games? Does that count? Yeah, non-video non game gaming. So the first gaming experience I ever had, I love this story, was my mom used to take me to parties and like, you know, I was just her kid. She'd be going to, going to parties with her friends and I would hang out in the room with her friend's son and he would be like, and he was maybe like five or 10 years older than me, at least like five years older than me. And he was like, Hey, have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? And I'm like, what is that? So we would sit there and play basic Dungeons and Dragons um, while all our parents were partying in the other room, like with that, that red box set and like, and like where you had to color the, the blue dice in with the crayon. <laughs> 
amazing. But yes, that was that was kind of like my first baby steps into any of this, into miniatures, into fantasy games, into into everything. It all comes back from like my mom taking me over to her friend's house for parties and me hanging out with Josh and playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And yeah, and I was like, this is so cool. I don't even understand what's going on. Mm. So, I mean, I must have been like nine. So, like, yeah. That was my first gaming experience. Um, And then I was dragged into Warhammer Fantasy from that uh, in my teenage years. It's like a natural progression, isn't it? It's like a natural... Yeah, yeah. and then from Warhammer Fantasy was was Warhammer, uh, was 40K. So, like, it was kind of... That's kind of been like the. Uh, I started as a fantasy player and ended up as a 30k player. So yeah. <laughs> Are you excited for the return of square bases? So it's funny you say that because I've recently been dragged to a sixth edition tournament at Dark Sphere by people who are very excited about the return of square bases. Mm. And I played my friend Nicholas's Kislev army and totally got the bug. Pulled my my old dark elves out of the closet, and I am currently hammering away on them as we speak to make a sixth edition dark elf army that I can then translate into a whatever the new fantasy is that comes out. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very excited about. It. Cool. I I uh, I have dark elves as a my fantasy army. I did uh, the local store did something where you had to paint like 250 points a month, um, but I have that sixth edition. Is that the one with like Malekith looking very cool on the front cover? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I won a copy of that years ago when Games Workshop did like a prize draw if you did an order that month. And I won that book that was signed by all the people who made it. And it just turned up yeah. in the post one day. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then obviously I had to start buying hundreds of pounds worth of stuff for it. That is, uh, that is awesome. Yeah, I wish they did that more often, but yeah, they don't. They don't seem to do that anymore. Okay. Games Workshop has definitely changed from from when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, now it seems to be more of a, like a, a a store. Like before, it seemed to be like a place to go and play more. So yeah, eh, I don't know. It's all right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what is your favorite tabletop game and why? Hmm. I mean, it, currently it's. 30k but i mean i'd have to say overall it's just warhammer 40k in general because it's brought me so many years of enjoyment right like i've played since rogue trader as a kid i had the miniatures and i couldn't play i didn't understand my friend brian gilmore and i tried to play on my table once with a couple of miniatures and we just couldn't get it we didn't get the rules at all but like from like what second edition whenever that box set came out i've been playing strong up until college where i took a break out for punk rock and girlfriends yeah. um and then return <laughs> return to the hobby um these are my my fifth edition blackout days my my, th- my third through fifth edition blackout days um it was just yeah i think overall warhammer it's been a huge kind of part of my life and um I'm really glad about it. Yeah. That might answer my, my next question then. So what is your favorite setting for a game? Is it, you know, grim dark? Is it high fantasy cyberpunk? What, what, what would you say is your favorite setting? This is an interesting question because I actually think 
I'm more of a fantasy fan than I am a sci-fi fan, which I find strange sometimes because I gravitate towards sci-fi a lot, but I think I'm more picky about fantasy. So I would say the old world Warhammer is actually one of my absolute favorite settings. It's so rich, has so much possibility. Um, Definitely one of my favorite settings ever. Okay. Again, this might have already answered your question. If you were sucked into a gaming universe, where would you least like to be sent? The Warhammer 40,000 universe. 100%. I actually had my wife actually ask me this question. She was like, "Where would you would you rather go to Star Trek or Warhammer? And I was like, Star Trek. Please, Star Trek. <laughs> She's like, but you love Warhammer so much. I'm like, I do not want my soul eaten by a... Cthulhu squig from mm. the hell, right? Like it is, yes, Warhammer is very grim. So mm. yes, I would definitely never want to be in the Warhammer universe. I would much rather be in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, last of these general questions. Um, what is your best memory of your time on the tabletop? I think my, my favorite moment was when I was at the jury's in at Pete's, Pete, perfect Pete's event. I was drunk and I, I offered to get my opponent a drink. I was actually playing Thousand Sons, who was running Magnus, who was Biomancy, and I had Russ. And I had kind of gotten drunk on accident. And I went downstairs and I got a uh, drink, drink for him and a drink for me. And I came back up and it was one of those round, like, waiter trays, right? And you never ever I'd never ever used one before so I I had his coke in the middle and my drink was to the side so I pick up his coke and hand it to him and the tray flips <laughs> lands hits the middle of the table an entire pint of beer goes everywhere through the entire all the terrain all the models everywhere I go I'm sorry <laughs> like so we clean it up I apologize to the event organizer. Everything was fine. I mean, it actually somehow managed to not be a disaster, even though it was an absolute disaster. But it managed to somehow miss everything that was critical and not really get on any models. It was just pretty much on the fat mat. Yeah. Um, which are what? Which is what proof? Yeah, they can go um, through the washing machine. It's fine. That's yes. I, I have it on good authority. They were designed to have a beer dumped on them. So. <laughs> It's like when they drop from iPhones the to Doug, test their cases. It's it's from the mouth of Doug Johnson himself. Yeah. So um, so yeah um, and then at the end of that event, and like I was seriously gobsmacked, but they were like, oh, and the the um, best player award goes to Jason Mullins, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Johnny and I, Johnny and Brendan were like, how the hell did you win favorite player when you were, were wasted, dumped a beer on the table? Um, yeah, yeah, how, how badly behaved was everybody else? I don't know. I was, I, it was, I, was, I actually stopped drinking at that point because I was like, oh, I've had too much. I'm, a, I'm that guy. Mm. Like, I'm totally fine with having beer beers at an event but like when you get to a certain point when you're actually wasting it, it impedes your ability to play the game and it impedes other people's enjoyment yeah that's when it can be a little frustrating unless you're literally legitimately playing beer hammer um but 
<laughs> so I was like, so I don't try, to, I don't, I don't like getting that drunk at events, but it was just funny that the time I accidentally got drunk at an event, <laughs> I ended up winning like the best sports award. That's superb. I don't know. Excellent. I, I, I haven't won one since, so maybe I'm just going to go dump some beers on some tables at yeah. the next event I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> good, good science requires testing. If that's your hypothesis, then yeah, you need to, I wouldn't try it at Warhammer World though. That, that might not go down so well. Unless it's Bugman's, yes, and then, yeah. Excellent. Cool. Um, all right, I've just got to go and run and get a D20, because we have a, this surprise bit that we, we don't tell people about. Uh, it's a it's a quick it's a quick fire thing, so I'm going to roll the D20 five times, and it will ask you a question. You're like the kind of psychotherapist, red or blue, and you have to snap answer really quickly. First one. Uh, two. Sword or bow? Uh, sword. Okay. Uh, eight. Orc or elf? Elf. Uh, Eleven. Trek or wars? Trek. Uh, uh, skirmish or apocalypse? Skirmish. And the last one. Uh, Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones? Correct. Correct answer. Um, <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I like Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, me too. We don't even know how it ends yet. Yeah, I, I, we're not, we're not going to find out. He, there's, you know, he's going to get coronavirus, and he's not going to finish book seven, let alone book eight. So yeah, or six and seven. Don't, don't worry, Brendan Sanderson will finish it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> How, oh, uh, I messaged you ages ago about when you started talking about getting into Middle Earth. Did did you get into that in the end? So, Pete, Pete and I played it for a bit. I have a big elf army, kind of on accident, because what I did was put a whole bunch of cheap bids in on eBay, and then ended up winning all of them, and I'm like, well, poop. So, yeah, I have tons of elves. Um, it's fun, fun. I like it. It's good. Um, I think... With the return of fantasy kind of in my life, yeah. uh, Warhammer Fantasy 6th edition, and then the old world coming, I don't really have much of a place for it. But, like, I would play it. Like, I think it's a fun system. It's interesting. It plays quickly. The It just feels kind of modern and fast-paced, especially for a Games Workshop game. Yeah. Um, Which is a surprise cool. when yeah, you consider it's, like, 20 years old now. Yeah, but I mean, when you look at the bones of what War, Warhammer is based on, and it is way more. I mean, you can kind of see the things, things from from Lord of the Rings that they took out and put into Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Um, and Age Edition, even. But I find that the system for Lord of the Rings is a little more elegant than Age of Sigmar or or 8th Edition now. Um I'm not saying I hate them. I just don't find them as elegant as as Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I think it's a very kind of simple, easy to understand, easy to easy to play sort of elegant system. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I definitely think it works better at lower points values. Um, we we it's kind of our go to game at our local club. Is we, we you know everyone's got an army and we play it quite a lot. 
um, when we kind of can't think of what else to play. But anything over about 600 points uh, it just becomes, you end up with a big tar pit in the middle and it just, you just end up grinding it yeah, out and that, that becomes that. tedious. Um, and also shooting is we, crap. We, yeah. we paid like a thousand points, I think, or something. And then like it was, yeah, I could see the big tar pit in the middle. I thought elf shooting is pretty good still. Yeah. It's just, I think it, all, all the bows need to be one strength higher than they are. And they become a lot more, especially like the elf bows. Like I've got Legolas and I run him quite a lot. I do a Merkwood army and like some games he'll be dropping trolls, but most of the time he, he won't be killing orcs with his shooting. And it's just like, ha, come on. You know, <laughs> if you've seen the movies, you know what he does. Anyway. <laughs> I, the man that I was not expecting to be an absolute beast, but was, was my boy Elrond. That guy... Oh, he's nuts. He is nuts. So good. Yeah. And um, he has, like, crazy spells. He's so good. I was like, oh, my God. Elrond for the win. Yeah. He uh, he pulled my butt out of the fire a few times against Pete's um, all-cavalry list, which is insane. Cavalry is insane. In yeah, game. it is very good. Awesome. All right, well, um, it, yeah, it is... It's a, sm- it's a small, elegant game. Go ahead. Sorry. Cool. Sorry. No, that's fine. I was going to say, um, uh, it's it's late of, of a, th- a Thursday evening, so if that's okay with you, I will we'll bring this to a close. But thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was nice chatting with you, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. And if any of you guys want to hear more heresy stuff, come check out Sons of Heresy. Yeah. Um, that's my podcast. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Yeah, it's a very good podcast um, when they can get an episode out. True. Not even shade. That's actually just the truth. Awesome. Cool. Right. I'm going to say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Well, that's it for episode 30 of the Dawn Rebellion podcast. Thank you for being with us. Next episode, we're going to be looking at the Adeptus Titanicus expansion books. We've got both of them that have, well, two of the three of them that have been out so far. We're going through and doing a quick review of those. And if we get a chance, either that episode or episode 32, we'll be taking a look at Warcry, which is something my friend has persuaded me to get involved with. We'll also have another update with our friend Jason, who's doing our Heresy Prospero-themed project. We'll find out what he's been getting up to and where we are with painting and builds and, and again, future plans. But until then, take care and stay safe.
Um, so yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate your time. I know you guys uh, have very busy lives. Um, or from what I can tell from from listening to the podcast, it sounds like you have very busy lives. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely we definitely have gotten well. We've relaxed a lot from what kind of like stopped us from podcasting a while ago. So that part is kind of nice. But yeah, definitely we've been very busy. Yeah, like I often listen to your show. And I'm like. Yeah. How, how how do you do all of these things? How how can you have lives and jobs and do all of these things? <laughs> I always give them like I always give Brendan and Johnny shit because like I do all the editing and everything, but like what I don't do now is I unlike when I was running the Overlords, I don't have to come up with all the show notes. Yeah, a lot of times they'll do the show notes, and I'm like perfect because like. It's really crazy. I mean, you know, you run your own podcast, like coming up with the show notes, doing everything, editing it all. Um, it can just take a lot out of it. But it leaves me extra time to do stuff like the ads and stuff yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah. all the extra editing and things like that. So, yeah. It seems like a minute of airtime is like five or six minutes of prep and people kind of don't appreciate how much goes into putting together like an hour or something like that. Yeah, mine, so it's usually, again, for me, it's presumably about whatever, it's about double whatever the podcast is, just because I listen to it. Sometimes I make it a little faster if I kind of know we didn't do any stops, I'll just jump through. Yeah. Um, I used I used to edit, like, everything. I used to edit the ums and stuff out, and now I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, I've, I've given <laughs> up on the ums. I was like, I, I, I'm just going to practice not saying it as much, and then I don't have to edit it all out quite as much. <laughs> I, I do try to keep notes for stuff to edit out, edit out but like, it, it's a lot easier too, because like, Sons of Heresy is not necessarily kids-friendly, so we yeah. can let things slip by. But in the overlords, like, I'd have to take out all the swearing and everything. Yeah. So... Oh, by the way, are you a swearing podcast or no? Uh, yeah, whatever. I I don't as a kind of I don't normally, but I'm not against it. And I know uh, we had Miles on. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a prolific swearer, but like I occasionally will drop a shit or an f bomb if I yeah. sometimes. But no, it's fine. I just wanted to make sure, like, if it was a family friendly podcast, that I tried to keep keep my restraint myself. Yeah, I don't check the analytics, so I don't know who's actually listening. 